0: Hello, I'm Joshua.
1: And hi, I'm Mary.
0: Welcome to From the Heart. Orlando is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions. But many people don't know about its thriving arts community.
1: We are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Orlando benefit from an even greater arts presence?
0: On each episode, we'll meet guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference.
1: From the heart. Hello, Mary. Hi, Joshua. How are you, my friend? Fantastic. Good to see you.
0: You too. It's so good to be back in the studio with you. Mm -hmm. I missed you last week. Yes. I was the one gone. You're the one who's always here. <laughs> we had our big anniversary event last. How last. did it go? It went great. We turned eight years old on on Thursday and had a big celebration and fundraiser, and it went really fantastic. How did your so fundraiser go? It went really well. We surpassed our goal. We raised almost ninety thousand dollars in the room. So super excited about that, and uh, you know, just exciting to be able to bring all the all the people together mm-hmm. and just celebrate our mission and celebrate our impact, and um, really proud of what we've done in eight years. We have a lot lot of work left to do. Uh, but it was a really, a really great morning. So I miss being here. It was kind of yes. an all day thing. And then I flew out late at night to go to another event. But it was a, uh, it was a great day. But I oh, miss I'm, being I'm here.
1: And I miss being at your fundraiser. It's the first time I think I've missed
0: it since we've been connected. Uh, but, but you were there in spirit because your voices your voiceover introduced you. everything <laughs> and now the founder and executive director I loved it it just there's Mary I can hear I put an extra hard in it for you
1: <laughs> Well the ni- that night I also as I did last year had a fundraiser yep. for adventures in charity of a lot of adventures club uh, alumni we get together every year and we raise money. And so I always raise money for Central Florida Community Arts. We're very grateful. And <laughs> so you'll be getting a nice check from that as nice, well. Nice. Very mm-hmm. cool.
0: And we were talking last week about, uh, I had seen The Color Purple at uh, Theater Weston, and I'd seen Gypsy at Garden Theater. And you got to see In the Heights this week at I the Shakespeare did. Theater. Tell us about it.
1: It was wonderful. And it was just such a lovely story. And it was so full of color. And what I love is it, it, it's a it's a different Group of people that I didn't grow up with, but you see how we are more alike than not. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about the arts, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, these people, I, I totally got them. They have the same wants and loves and desires in life as we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like I got to peer into another way of
0: living on the planet. Well, love and connection and family and dreams and hopes and getting out of the, your circumstances to become your greatest potential. We all feel that, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what culture we come mm-hmm. from. And so um, I love In the Heights and I, I haven't seen it yet, um, but I've heard the Shakespeare Theatre has done a fantastic job with it and they have a, w- maybe another weekend or two left. Yes. So yes, go out and check them mm-hmm.
1: out. Great cast. Our friend Juan can too. I was so happy mm-hmm. to see Juan up there. He, he's always so solid, but the casting was great. The voices were amazing. The dancing—it was—it was terrific.
0: Yeah, the first time I saw that um, show here in Orlando, it was produced by um, Goat Theater with our oh, friend yes. Paul Castaneda. Sure. And when I went, I went on the very last day, the last performance, and it was full of people from the Hispanic culture, and they mm-hmm. brought flags from their different uh, countries they were from I don't know I missed the memo because I didn't have a flag. <laughs> yeah. but, but during like exciting parts because it's such a high energy show sure. people would wave their flag nice. from their different yeah it was really cool and it was just a neat way um for our our Hispanic culture here to say hey we're proud sure. and, and even into this theater piece we can share our heritage and it was just it was so cool so love that i don't know if the, how the shakes would feel about that with the flags but <laughs> well, they probably welcome it <laughs> they, they worked for goat theater but yes. <laughs> well awesome well so many great things we could talk forever about mm-hmm. and this is the season you know we're in the art season now so the ballet is about to open up with carmina barana and the bach festival society mm-hmm. next weekend um, the Philharmonic just had their opening uh, with the Pines of Rome at the Bob Carr Theater and it was fantastic this last week. So we're we're in the heart of the arts uh, season getting everything kicked off There's so like exciting. Schumann and
1: Schumann coming up on Monday. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go to that. The Philharmonic
0: it. is um, you know, with under Eric Jacobson's leadership, they've created so many of these smaller mm-hmm. concerts. You know, like you love the women, the women in yes. women in concert series sure. that we've been going to. Um, but you know, they have the big concerts still, but then they've created all these smaller. Uh, things at the Plaza that you could go and check out and so. it's
1: intimate and they also look at it as um, you get you learn a lot too it's entertaining but you're mm-hmm. also like I didn't know that
0: yeah well we have uh, we could talk about all the other arts mm-hmm. groups all day but we want to talk about the amazing arts group that we have here on the show today and I'm so thrilled um, for our listeners to meet um, these men, because they truly are. this is one of those, you know, we talk about those jewels in our community that mm-hmm. might not everybody might know about, but they should. Mm-hmm. and excited to to be able to give them the opportunity to share the story today, the history and the mission and and the impact that they're having, and that they're going to have um, as they head into their next uh, you know phase of leadership and all of that. So tell us who we have today, Mary. We have the Negro Spiritual Scholarship Foundation, and are we renaming yet? Should we talk about that, or maybe no, talk, no, not no, yet? Okay, yeah. good because I had the old name down. <laughs> yeah, and, and we have <laughs> Rudolph Clary with Claire with us today, Claire. and Rudolph Clary is—I I said this earlier—is one of the most astute, um, just incredible men. Uh, when I met him first uh, with uh, Dean Bosco about five years ago, um, I really was just so impressed with his knowledge and his vision and his leadership. And so I'm thrilled to be able to talk to him today. And then Damon Danridge is the new managing director, management director of the organization. Brand so new. Brand new. August 1st, right? Correct. All right. Very <laughs> cool. Well, welcome in to both of you. Welcome. We're so glad you're
2: here. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here today. Very cool. Thank you
0: for having us. So, Rudy, tell us a little bit um, just about the organization and how it got started and why this um, this mission was so important to you.
3: So uh, the Negro Spiritual Scholarship Foundation was established uh, formally um, in 1996. Uh, I had spent about five years prior to its actual incorporation, kind of researching and preparing for um, creating this kind of a vehicle. You alluded uh, before to the to, to naming of the organization, and uh, the, name of the, the, the legal name of the organization is the Negro Spiritual Scholarship Foundation. But our public brand is, uh, the brand, the new public brand is Project Grady Rayem. Mm-hmm. And saying that uh, name and the two names that it represents, Grady and Rayem, would tell us quite a, a little about the history of why the organization was formed. Uh, i was an ordained roman catholic priest here in orlando florida in the diocese of orlando <clears throat> i had been ordained since nineteen eighty three and the bishop who ordained me to the priesthood was a gentleman named the reverend most reverend thomas j grady bishop grady was uh, a chicago native who had come to central florida <clears throat> to be the third bishop of the diocese of orlando and um He had the foresight to want to expand the Church's reach in the area and also to to, um, expand the diversity of his priesthood. Mm. And so I was the first person of color, the first man of Afro-ethnic descent, ordained by the Catholic Church in Florida. And it it was at Bishop Grady's um, behest. He shepherded me through and pastored me through the process of going to seminary and coming into priesthood. Once I became ordained, Bishop Grady became concerned about um, me being able to help the Catholic Church bridge our interests and concerns and our mission to that of Afro-ethnic populations in Central Florida, whom he felt had been long underserved in terms of educational opportunity and an appreciation for what their culture had brought into American life and so he and i as he was beginning to plan for his retirement from ministry he and i started fetching about for a way to create a legacy program that would bear his name would be connected with his name but the principal aim was to find a way to preserve and promote uh, some aspect of african-american culture as part of america's heritage and also to use that as a vehicle for helping to support the aspirations of African American youth, <clears throat> um, thus was born the Negro Spiritual Scholarship Foundation. The Negro Spiritual part of it being a reference to the sl- the songs from the slave era that Africans in chains created as a way of being able to create an oral record of how they were responding to their condition of enslavement, mm. and that music. <clears throat> Bishop Grady and I became aware is a, an, an integral part of, and a very vibrant part, of how America expresses her cultural identity. Mm. Because we were wandering into the arena of music, we look, looked about for a partner who could work with Bishop Grady in becoming founding trustees, founding patrons, really, of the organization. And we reached out to a gentleman named Curtis Rayem. Uh, Curtis is an or was um, raised here in Orlando, came out of Jones High School, went to the University of Miami through their music program, and emerged as a world-class operatic tenor. He went abroad and began his career there. But by 1996, well, ni- when, in the early 1990s, when we were beginning to form this thing, Curtis was back here in Orlando for much of the time um, with his parents. And the bishop and the tenor, Curtis and Bishop Grady, um, got together at the behest of Robert Swedberg, who headed Orlando Opera. And it was out of them, their friendship, the friendship that develops between them, and their shared passion for music, education, culture, and youth development. It was out of that that the three of us kind of conceived of the notion of creating a, a foundation, that would provide scholarship opportunities to young artists, but also chronicle and promote the value of the Negro spiritual song genre. Hence, the Negro Spiritual Scholarship Foundation and its public face, its brand, Project Grady-Rayam, named for those two founding individuals, who were both great influences in my life here in community. Bishop Grady is now deceased. Curtis Raym is very much alive and uh, is actually uh, with the faculty of Bethune Cookman University and also an adjunct to the music faculty at Roll- Rollins. So it was really out of uh, at, at, at that the urging of our passion for how do we enrich somehow Central Florida community culturally while providing opportunities for development for young artists and helping to to provide assistance for them while they were um, searching their college, seeking out their college education.
0: Wow. I can tell you, Rudy, it's so wonderful to hear you articulate the, the passion and the vision behind this organization. I can tell you, Mary's overwhelmed. You can't see her face, but I know she's, she's overwhelmed. And this is beautiful for her uh, personally, but I, I don't think I had ever put the dots together as much as I did just now, as you shared uh, just the heritage of honoring um, you know, Bishop Grady and and really how he probably at that time stepped out on the ledge, really, for being able to be a part of your ordination and and leading the way in in that conversation and how this organization, its mission was birthed out of, first honoring what he did. Uh, yeah. I think that's beautiful. I, I never put that together and I knew I knew his name, I knew his his role in your life, but I don't think I understood. Until you just shared that, um, how much of that was honoring um, the work that he did and how he um, was a was a trailblazer yeah. in in creating opportunities for African-Americans. In
1: such a selfless way, did something for something so much bigger than himself. Yeah. It's really beautiful.
0: Well, we uh, we actually are almost done with our first segment already. <laughs> we have, I have so many questions. That's great. We'll come back with <laughs> we them. We will come back. So listeners, join us back here. We have so much more to talk about on From the Heart Magic 107.7 FM.
1: Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery. And we're very excited that today we're learning about the Grady Ram organization. Um, We were talking a little bit earlier about how it focuses on music, education, and inspiration. And I'm wondering if we could go a little deeper into each of those. Um, In particular, I'm kind of curious about the inspiration. I see mentorship is something that's very important to you. Can you talk about that?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, When we talk about inspiration, a lot of the ways we do that is through mentorship uh, of our young artists who um, win our scholarship competitions, and I can talk about that uh, later. Uh, One of the things that we do, we have a winner's weekend that we call it where our competition winners come back, and they have master classes with um, professionals uh, that work with them on their songs, and um, we also have a competition in piano, so we have a, a piano clinician that comes in and works with our young artists that have won the piano competition and uh, educating them uh, as performers about the genre of the spiritual and how to perform and what the stories mean, um, just giving them a deeper perspective into what the songs are because we know the more that you understand a piece, the better you can deliver.
4: Mm-hmm. When you
1: say how art. to perform them, do you mean vocally? Do you mean uh
2: not Not just vocally. Connecting uh, to Vocally, aesthetically. Understanding what the songs mean, understanding that um, a song that you may think is a song of joy has some passion behind it that it does does not really have. You know, remembering that these are um, songs that were born out of uh, necessity. These are songs that were born out of from a people who were o- oppressed. And I think whenever you sing spirituals, you always have to remember that. Mm. Um, I have seen people perform spirituals in a way aesthetically. Um, that was not appropriate that was in terms of performance practice Mm -hmm. uh, was not appropriate so I think it's our job to uh, mentor and educate in that way as to the uh, and
0: through this mentorship and through the education of the soloist you're also preserving the spiritual right you're also making sure that it keeps its authenticity and it keeps the story and it makes sure that it's so much still a part of our history Mm -hmm. and all that how would you and Rudy or Damon either one of you can answer this but when you when you look at the spiritual you know most of those uh, really all of those songs were were told and sung from generation you know from down right. the line that was never really written down or there were no notes you know and so how much of it today what we would see like when you were at Bethune-Cookman and you see these beautiful four or five part arrangements of spirituals how much of that is is authentic to maybe what how it was when it was first created and How does it get translated from that to what we know it to be today?
2: Right. Very interesting that you say that, because I have this conversation oftentimes with um, young arrangers. I arrange concert Mm. spirituals, as we call them myself. Um, There was a time where researchers went out into the fields and they asked people to sing these songs. That's how we got them notated. Up until that point, yes, it was simply oral tradition from plantation to plantation or Wherever you move to where you moved, you added words, you may add some notes. So all we have in terms of authenticity are uh, some of the older books by the Johnson brothers. They have mm-hmm. a book of spirituals. Um, John Work, also a, a book of spirituals, where it's, a lot of them are just melodic lines. And you want to stay, when you concertize them, as we call it, uh, you, wa- you should want to find spirituals that are as authentic, that stay as close to that as possible, mm-hmm. uh, when we again we talk about performance practice of spirituals, uh, spiritual music, spirituals are not gospel. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, spirituals should not have hand claps. Mm-hmm. They that's not what you know. That's mm-hmm. not what that music uh, represented. Uh, spirituals in general, again, um, are how can I say this? We do not know who the composer or the author of a spiritual is. Mm-hmm. There's no way to know. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no way to know. We would know, however, for hymns and gospels, who the, uh, comp uh yes who the composers are of those things. Um, and now one of the things we do again to keep uh spirituals fresh, we also commission uh a vocal a solo vocal spiritual every year, uh for our gala. Mm-hmm. Our right when yeah. we talked to mentioned the gala, where we bring in a special artist who will uh perform a work that we've um had a uh, commission. We have 22 of them now, I think, and we've had everyone from uh, Roland Carter to Moses Hogan. I've uh, done one of them, uh, Gail Jones-Murphy, uh, who's here in Orlando. Um, who else? Uh, Rallo. We've had a myriad of, of uh, composers. Uh, and, I mean, we really have a collection of new arrangements and new spirituals, again, to keep uh, the genre alive and keep cultivating it mm-hmm. and nurturing it.
1: Well, isn't it the uh, case that many there were different languages that were spoken at different plantations. So I'm wondering how, uh, um, what I know to be true is that there are just so many different, um, I, I remember once going to Cameroon and I stayed there for a while and someone told me that within um, 25 miles there were about 400 different languages that were being spoken there. So how how did they collaborate on a language?
3: Well, so here's a quick note about Authenticity, a couple of quick signposts about authenticity. Um, one of them is a the spiritual aspect. The, anyone who wants to approach singing spirituals or understanding the value of them, the spirituals as, song, as, as a song genre were created to kind of express the slave's conviction that not only could they speak about God or speak to God, but they could speak for God. So you have to kind of go back and understand the circumstance that slaves were in. Um, you know, this year we're doing a, a suitable airs program that we're calling Hanging, Not Hanging Up Our Harps, but based on the old um, story from the Hebraic peoples of their being in exile in Babylon and being told by their captors um, to keep singing. and But they, they couldn't find a way to do that in the midst of their uh, enslavement. Slaves felt that they, they needed a way to 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 cling to the hope that the, the God of their of their Christian masters, who had saved the Hebrews, would in biblical times could come and save them as well. So part of it is understanding that the slaves rallied around this common theme, or some common themes that came out of their understanding of the sacred tradition of Christianity and also of the the themes of liberation and hope of deliverance from their oppression. So I think that rallying around a new language, adopting English as a way of being able to communicate across the the tribal languages they brought with them, became a great value because the songs, being able to, to carry the songs, to make them portable from place to place, became super important. That was part, I think, of the African, well, I know, that was part of the African idiom that Africans as a people sang and uh, while they worked, while they played, they sent messages to each other through songs, mm. and that had been habitual and and, and and cultural to them, so they continued to do that in crafting this new music. So I think that the, uh, the sort of what seemed like a fairly quick emergence of being committed to trying to craft these songs in English and being able to send them on, mm-hmm. um, because it was, as Damon said, it was all oral tradition. It needed to be transmitted mm-hmm. from person to person, from community to community, as had been traditional for them.
2: In one language. Right. Yeah. Ke- keeping in mind, the, they were stripped of their religion, all of their customs and traditions. So mm-hmm. they, they could not speak in whatever their tribal Uh, Mm -hmm. Native language was. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is also why we get, you know, what some people have labeled as ebonics. We remember that word. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there are certain letters in the English language that don't translate over into Mm Um, uh, Swahili or Yoruba or, mm. you know, these various tribals. So mm-hmm. that's why you have some of the dropping of INGs or mm. uh, T's become D's. It, it was simply because even though they were immersed in the language, mm-hmm. which we talk about immersion now, right? Mm-hmm. the best way right. to learn a language mm-hmm. is to go live somewhere right. for six months and you'll learn, well, this is exactly what happened to them. So it was out of su- survival. You know, mm-hmm. they had to learn a new language, but they also used these songs. Remember, they used them for code. Yes. You know, right. when you talk about follow the drinking gourd, you know, while the s- slave master may think that they're just, oh, the slaves must be happy. They're singing. No, they're telling you that, hey, tonight we're going to be following the North Star mm-hmm. um, to uh, to freedom, you know, to try to get out of freedom. That's or what I was talking, in the yeah.
0: water and, you know, all of those sorts of mm-hmm. things. Um, Is that part of the education? Because even just what you're saying right now, I didn't know that father the drinking water Wade in the water st- actually stood for something else or oh, had yes. more meaning behind it than, yes. w- and do you find that even though a lot of the, the spirituals you said were anonymous or unknown or, you know, even uh, the words and the melodies, but were there certain words or certain phrases that you saw repetitive in a lot of the yes. spirituals? So
2: another characteristic of spirituals, most of them um, come from stories or characters in the old Testament. Mm. Um, uh, slaves saw a very, uh, close relationship with the, um, help me out, Father, is, was it the, uh, uh, I- Israelites? Yes. Yes, with the Israelites and just being, being held captive for 400 mm. years in the wilderness. You know, Psalms, one of the Psalms says, how do we sing a new song in a strange land? Mm. So mm-hmm. you will see things, anything referring to, to Moses, mm-hmm. you know, is, is referring to, uh, freedom, um, uh, weight in the water uh, for so slaves knew if they could get to a body of water and they were to walk through it the dogs that were chasing them could no and longer smell the scent. their scent mm-hmm. okay so again mm-hmm. that's just so you talked about weight in the water yeah so those sort of you know small references now there are some spiritual not all spirituals were necessarily code, mm-hmm. but many 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 of them um, again Old Testament references um, some reference to you know, code. Uh, Didn't my Lord deliver Daniel? If he can deliver Daniel, why not every man? Mm. You know, songs that sing, that sing of death. Mm-hmm. For many of them, death would, is much better mm. than living through uh, uh-huh. what they're going through now. Um, over, over my head, I hear music in the air. So what that, what that means is once you get to a certain point, you'll hear somebody singing Keep following that way. Wow. That's what that's what that particular spiritual hmm. When
1: I was little, my sister's room was catacorner upstairs, uh-huh. and I was across from my parents' room. But if she wanted me to sneak in there or I wanted to sneak in, we'd
3: start singing. <laughs> we did. We heard these stories like, that could work for us. Yeah, that's so <laughs> it did. Funny. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that that's tradition of cross-communication <laughs> is one of the things that the slaves brought with them um, into enslavement. You know, the Negro spiritual song tradition appears to us to be the first truly identifiable African-American cultural expression mm-hmm. because the slaves brought with them the rhythms and tunes that form the base of the body of this work. But, you know, and, uh, oftentimes you can hear these very same rhythmic, uh, rhythmic patterns and melodic tunes sung still in communities in Africa and in other places around the world, basically the same rhythm and the same melody, but they added, they created new stories new for, based on the images of Old Testament life and of the circumstances of their own life. They created new words, new stories, and used the tunes from the old to mm. express their their what was happening to them in the new situation. So you see that bridging of the African origin and the American circumstance. Mm -hmm. And it becomes very important, I think, for us to acknowledge today and to keep alive today the understanding that a people who were brought to a new land entirely enslaved, they endured through sorrow. They have sorrow songs that sang of that. They endured through... Um, the need for liberation, so we have message songs. They mm-hmm. endured through uh, being the need to be able to still express joy while they were in the midst of despair, and so we have Jubilee songs. So they really created ways of being able to respond to their entire new circumstance, and they did it by... by tapping into the wellspring of what was their African identity and expressing it in, in a new way because they were in a new context.
1: Wow, That's beautiful. Amazing. Unfortunately, this brings <laughs> us to the end of this segment, but fortunately, we have another segment coming <laughs> right up on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart.
4: head I hear music in the air over my head
0: So moving, you know, and I hope listeners, you just experience what I did because I love the spiritual and I love the sound and the musicality and all that. But, but I just listened to it in a different way just now yes. because of all we've just been talking about The word and thinking about the people who sang it and, and the what clarity, they were going through. And it was beautiful. The Thank the you for sharing that. Maybe.
1: The clarity of the words and the meaning and the lives that, that changed from hearing those words.
0: Mm hmm. Mm. And H-Towning. what a life! What a life preserver it was! Yeah, in yes. so many in so many ways. Mm. Yeah, wow!
2: The music kept them going, kept them inspired. Yeah. That was really
1: bit. beautiful. Thank you.
0: Well, we want this organization to be around for many, many, many years because this is so important. And you guys are right now in the middle of a leadership change and and some transitioning and and facing the new the future of the organization. So, Rudy, tell us a little bit about that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, this is an organization which I uh, founded, essentially, Um, and uh, uh, we've really been at it now for 22 years. We're approaching the quarter-century mark. Um, And uh, as with all organizations that are founded by a particular individual, it just, is always important to figure out how are you going to pass the baton of leadership and the ownership of the mission and history of that organization how do you pass that forward so the board of directors and i have been in conversation for a number of years and we decided that this season the 2018-2019 season is the appropriate time for us to begin a healthy process of moving the primary identity of leadership for the organization away from my person and my personal history, and having new expertise and new professional leadership come in to move us forward into the future. Was that so difficult
1: work, for you on an emotional level?
3: Um, it is, and it is not. Mm-hmm. It is on an emotional level because this work has been so important to me. Uh, when I transitioned away from public ministry as a priest, this is really It became the new ministry and passion of Mm. what I call the second trimester of my Mm -hmm. professional public Mm -hmm. life. And so, um, in a way, it it is. uh, people keep saying, well, you brought this to birth, and yeah, it is kind of my child in a way. Um, And the other thing is that at the heart of building up the organization for me has been the building of relationships. You know, Mm. I have come to have, to have other people value this vision and this mission because I came to know people with whom I could have conversations about why this matters. And so in a way, I'm beginning to be a little rueful of understanding that I won't be as engaged as I was, uh, as I have been. I probably three years from now will not be as engaged in the politics of engagement with our community as i have been that's <laughs> a little nostalgic mm. on the other hand i know very well from having been involved in the management of arts organizations and consulting and advising on the nonprofit management for many years i know that the health and credibility of a nonprofit business because i keep reminding people that we're in the business mm-hmm. of trying to do good through nonprofit enterprises we have to be conscientious about being willing to, uh, create, to to find, identify, and employ the kind of professional skills and leadership and resources that will keep an organization oriented towards its future. Mm. And this is the time for that to happen. And I sincerely, 100%, without a doubt, believe that Damon Dandridge is the person to whom I can um, turn over the realm, the, the, the uh, reins of this, and the helmsmanship of it, and be quite confident that its future will be a steady
0: course. Wow, Rudy, that is a huge testimony to Damon's leadership and your belief and trust in him. Because I know how important this work is to you and how it has been on your shoulders uh, for many years. Uh, and Damon, you have uh, an incredible resume, and you bring so many neat skill sets to this. Maybe you could just share with us, you know, part of new leadership and a new day in an organization is honoring what has happened in the past, but also being able to give fresh ideas and fresh vision. Uh, and that will happen with me one day uh, when I when I start to, to make that transition. But maybe share one thing that you're really excited about, an idea that you have um, for this organization that you hope to implement. One of, uh,
2: idea that I really want to do is not, it's not really a new idea, but it's bringing back uh, something that the organization used to do, and that was the Master Singers mm-hmm. uh, Chorale, and it was a performance ensemble for the group that went out into the community. But a part of the uh, preservation, one of my kind of passions is to resurrect and record um, original uh, compositions and, and spirituals by African-Americans. There's so many, there's so much music that has been lost mm. or we're finding it, but there are no recordings of it. And in mm. the age that we are in now, you don't have a recording of something, people are less likely to perform it. Right? Are there
1: any out there right now that you can speak of?
2: Oh, let's, yes. There's uh, there's an oratorio by, oh my goodness, now that I want to call his name, I can't. Uh, <laughs> That's Frederick the Frederick Douglass Hall mm. called Deliverance. It's a 15-movement uh, piece, of course, um, solos. Uh, it's uh, been orchestrated. I'm not sure. The orchestration actually has been lost. I've been in mm. touch with the publisher. They don't have the orchestration. So, But there is a piano vocal score available, mm. but there's no recording of it. Mm. And, again, we just know, again, the age we live in. You know, when you go with, to a studio with a teacher, you know, if it's something they've never heard before, they're less likely to do it. That's just kind of right, right. the world we live in, and things are... And now, since we have digital files, we don't have to worry about LPs or CDs, (laughs) Mm -hmm. things can stay alive forever Mm -hmm. if, if they're recorded. Right, if they are recorded, so what
0: you'll be doing is a gift to the world. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah will I hope you so. be having auditions in 2019 for the Master Singers, or do you know? No, we're not sure, we okay. haven't quite time. So, people should just keep yet. up with the website. And yes. if they're interested and they're listening and they want to audition for this group, or, absolutely, or they have ideas, or maybe they have uh, written some uh, spiritual themselves that they'd like to share with you, absolutely, they can all do that through the website and the website. Is negrospiritual.org, but also it's changed. There's another. Yeah, Grady Ram.org is really the, okay. where we want everybody to go. Grady Rayman. Ram. And let's spell that for you. G R
1: A D Y R A Y A
0: M. Dot org. And .org. that's where you can learn about the more about Rudy and about Damon. You can learn more about all the things that they do with um, competitions and the gala, and the outreach the programs. Yep. The events that they do, uh, they're who their community partners are. And just ways that you can stay connected mm-hmm. to them.
1: And you're a nonprofit, so yes. if people want to make donations, they can go there for that as well.
2: Absolutely. We welcome it.
1: Are you looking <laughs> for anything other? I mean, money is obviously king, but is there <laughs> anything else that you need? Um, Do you need volunteers?
2: Yes, we always need need volunteers uh, for our Remember various first. events. Um, those who may want to, um, who have capacity and want to serve on the board, you know, we would always uh, be welcome. And you know, audience members and participation is always exciting. Again, people that want to learn more, I, I strongly encourage my colleagues in education that may not be as informed mm-hmm. about uh, about this music to you to know, reach out. Reach because out. Perhaps Absolutely. you could
1: send people to the schools where they're Absolutely. from if they've not been there before. Right. That's lovely.
2: Absolutely.
3: And speaking of community partners and, and partnerships, um, as Damon is coming in and beginning this new season with us. We're launching our new season, um, and uh, he'll be a a very important part of our season opening um, spiritual concert uh, um, uh, in early October. We are also, uh, through the generosity of Universal Orlando Resorts, uh, they're going to kind of officially introduce him to the Central Florida community for us near the end of October in a special program. So folks can look for information about that, and we'll be reaching out to uh, a range of leadership, uh, civic and political and education and arts leadership, to invite them to a special reception where um, they'll be able to meet Mr. Standridge and uh, hear a little bit more about his vision and about uh, the mission for the future of the foundation. That's incredible. And I, I
0: just have so much respect for you, Rudy. You are handling this... So beautifully, and you've handpicked with your board this man to continue the legacy that you started. And I hear the confidence in your voice yes. when you refer to him, or when you talk about him. It's really, really great. Yes, I, think I hope Spirit I can do the same one day. You to pick this man. <laughs> this, there's
1: no accident he is here.
0: Yeah. So, Rudy, leave us with just a, a parting thought on uh, just about the work that you're doing and why it's important for not just Central Florida, but for our uh, entire community Uh, to understand and know and love and respect um, the spiritual?
3: So I've jotted down a set of notes as I prepare to kind of talk to people in the community about this transition. And uh, let me just make reference to a couple lines from that. I think that every man or woman who dreams of better times and aims for better things and works for greater good deserves to hear the songs of long dead slaves because I believe that they still watch and pray over us Mm. they knew that our days are sometimes long and they knew that times are sometimes hard but struggle bred a hope in them a hope that was far reaching as wide as rivers and oceans as eternal as the heavens so I decided some time ago to dedicate myself to passing on their songs these Negro spirituals in the hope that people in our time can be inspired and strengthened made holy and more hopeful by this music this is music that magnifies us and so I never tire of feeling touched by it and I will never grow weary of the work of trying to keep it alive but in pointing to the future there have been times of struggle and now is a time of change And it is change that is brightened by hope, and it's sweetened with the promise of newer and even better tomorrows, and it is accompanied by the haunting melodies of our ancestors in faith, who sought for liberation and justice and made America better. And that's why I've done what I've done, and that's why I look forward to passing the baton Uh, into the hands of Damon Dandridge and our board and all the patrons and friends and community partners who have made this such a wonderful journey.
0: Mm. Well, Rudy, I know you have enlightened and inspired me again today. I feel like I've just been to church. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) listeners, we hope that you will go and check out the website and that you will stay in touch with this organization, that you will experience them in some way by donating, by volunteering, by going to a concert by being educated about the spiritual and why it's so important for us to continue mm-hmm. to sing it and to, to speak those words into our lives. It's so, so very important. So
1: important. Even the way it was just spoken now, just to be around that and knowing that that's what's being honored mm. and speaking through their leaders I thank you so much for your time today both of you yeah thank, thank you both thank and, you
0: for Damon having we us. are in cheering you on <laughs> you have big shoes to fill but I think you're up to the task I for do too. sure absolutely I do go too. and check it out www.gradyram.org and make sure you stay connected to this wonderful organization and we look forward to many many great things in the future Mary another great conversation
1: amazing show yeah truly a
0: jewel in our community and i'm so happy we could help just a little bit tell the story you're here until next week this is from the heart magic 107.7
3: fm